You are about to listen to The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody, sounding like shit. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. I discovered something very interesting to me over the weekend, which is the most exciting thing in women's golf is named Nelly. How great is that? I mean, I'm thinking, okay, her name, I want to introduce you in case you don't follow the LPJ. Uh, Nelly Corda is a 22-year-old phenom from Bradenton in upstate Florida, actually west coast of Florida. Uh, at 22, she's already number three in the world rankings, and uh, she entered Sunday uh, co-leading the U.S. Women's Open, a major tournament. And I'm thinking we should get our business team on this and have put a face on Nellie's Diner that isn't my 110-year-old dead grandmother's face. You know what? I like it. Okay. I was like, right when you first started, I was like a little unsure of where you were headed with this, the way you started. And uh, now I like it. Like, I, I think we should get in contact with Nellie. We should have her on the podcast and we should pitch this to her in an open format on the show as opposed to like a behind the scenes meeting. She's young enough where uh, she maybe hasn't been told yet. Don't do uh, don't do that podcast. You know, if somebody <laughs> offers her a podcast, she'll be all right. I'm famous. I like that. How are you feeling, by the way? I, I think I, I, there's a um, you, you've been sick all week. You missed the Levitard show um in our izzy interview that you're about to hear in a few minutes you know you don't sound great you don't sound great today either so right. i'm just kind of wondering how you're feeling I've, I've got a bad head cold that's all i mean it's it's not a big deal i'm uh it's kicking my ass but uh we're we're fine we're we're good other than my voice sounds like shit but. greg cody has been known to milk a sickness but i think in this case you actually do have a little bit of something going on here. Look, mean, you i'm just, just happy get, you're here i wouldn't yeah. have made it today you if just I sounded, sound, if i sounded yeah. like you i wouldn't have made it today so you, let's get you, so congrats to you greg Good you job. sound terrible <laughs> okay well thank you i uh <laughs> What can I tell you? Um, by the way, you all um, have come aboard the Greg Cody Show podcast again this week, and we appreciate it. We have a big show today, and um, we have uh, Izzy Gutierrez, the ESPN star, on with us to um, to mostly talk about Carl Nassib, the uh, the now openly gay NFL player who has made history. And um, that that's an interesting conversation. But um, as best uh, I can with this awful voice, uh, I have to start with something very serious, uh, people. We've done about 65 or 67 of these podcasts now over the past 15 months. And there's only one other one that we devoted to something very serious, where we did an entire uh, hours podcast last spring in honor of uh, Don Shula after he passed away. And right now, it's uh, something uh, more tragic that's happening right in our backyard here. You all uh, may have heard about it because it's made national news um, the Champlain Towers South, uh, a giant condominium in Surfside, which is a oceanside community just north of Miami Beach, uh, collapsed at 1.30 in the morning a few days ago. And as we record this on Sunday afternoon, the death toll is now up to nine, but obviously is expected to rise. And... It's it's just a sobering thing that that the community's going through right now, and it's it's a reminder of uh, just the the cruel twist of fate. Sometimes I wanted to um, talk to Ari Odzer about this. He's a longtime friend of mine, a fellow journalist, and 
South Florida, who's been a TV reporter for years, decades, with WTVJ NBC6 down here. And he's been covering this tragedy, and uh, uh, he has some suggestions for how people can help out financially if they're able. Uh, let's, let's bring in Ari Odzer of NBC6. Ari, over your career, you've covered tragedies, uh, but this is in its own category, I think. Uh, can you just talk about what going to that site in Surfside has been like for you the past few days? Well, I started on, a, as soon as this happened on Thursday, uh, I was there uh, Thursday and Friday all day, but I have not actually been to the demolished building. Thursday and Friday, I was at the community center where families were gathering to try and contact their missing loved ones. Now, when you talk about things that are gut-wrenching in your career, this is right up there with the top. Um, I said the other day that 30 years covering news in South Florida here at uh, NBC6, I've covered a lot of horrible things. And every time you think you've seen everything, something else comes along that proves that you were wrong. And right. nobody could expect a, a condo tower to collapse. We have hundreds of condo towers in South Florida. Collapsing out of the blue is just such an unexpected calamity that you can't even comprehend it until you see the human wreckage that it's caused. And, and the way to, the best way, I've said this several times on the air, to feel that visceral impact of this event is to talk to people who are clinging to the tiniest threads of hope that their loved ones are somehow alive. Somehow they're missing, but they're somewhere safe. And we all know the reality. And you can't tell somebody in that condition, hey, you know, guys, wake up. You know, don't be in denial. This isn't going to happen for you. You have to hope somehow that a miracle happens for them. And after... Yeah, I was off work yesterday. So I worked Thursday, Friday. I'll be going back this morning. So over the course of those two days, I heard so many stories from people and some of them just stand out. I'm never going to forget on Thursday, the wife of a doctor, an orthopedic surgeon, telling us, a group of us in the media, that maybe, maybe my husband's alive. Maybe he's, because he's the type who would help people, he's a doctor, maybe he's trapped under there helping the wounded. Oh, wow. You know, and, and I'm looking at this and my heart is breaking hearing yeah. her say this because I know she's in complete denial. Right. She's obviously completely un unwilling to accept, you know, what's in front of her because of her love for her husband. And she's hoping somehow that maybe she's coming up with scenarios in her head that might be plausible. And we're all looking at each other going, oh, my God, this poor woman. You know, imagine you going through that scenario. And another, another, another story that comes to mind I'll, I'll share with you guys is a woman I was talking to also on Thursday, who I've subsequently spoke to on Friday. She's, she was um, also interviewed yesterday by several stations talking about missing her, her mother's missing. And the night that the collapse happened, she was on the phone with her mom, and her mom tells her, I just ordered Scarlett our, that Disney dress she wanted. I found it in her size, Scarlett being her granddaughter. So there's a little girl who's going to get a gift from her grandmother in the mail, but she's never going to be able to thank her grandmother for it. You know, so these kind of things are just so jarring and so hard to comprehend. And it's, it's difficult for us in the media, but I feel like we have a job to do as bearing witness. You know, like we're bearing witness to these people, to what they're going through, to honor their loved ones and to honor the victims, you know, in our small way of putting their stories on TV or in the newspaper 
or wherever the medium might be, you know, um, trying to help out in that manner. What can people do to um, to help out? How can they contribute uh, money to, to help families or what have you? The best thing to do is to go to supportsurfside.org, supportsurfside.org. Um, over the, the first day, the community center was deluged with supplies for people who are waiting it out without having, you know, with, with nothing, you know, there and people who were evacuated from the other buildings who needed supplies. They have plenty of supplies now. The supplies aren't the issue. The issue is trying to support people with what are going to be a lot of funerals, funeral bills with, with um, hotel stays, things like that to try to get people back, get their lives back uh, because they've lost everything if they've evacuated from their homes, you know? So, so um, that's what the money is going for at this point. And uh, you can, they can give through support surfside.org or the uh, greater Miami Jewish Federation website or the uh, Catholic charities website with the archdiocese of Miami. Um, all of which are, are, are trying to help all these, all these folks. A, a terrible um, exchange was reported that I've read and, and it almost brought me to tears when I read it. A, a woman high in the tower um, was calling her husband who was out of town and uh, it was around 1.30 in the morning just before the collapse and she was on her balcony looking down and suddenly um, a, a giant sinkhole uh, made the, the, the pool disappear and seconds after that the building trembled and then the <coughs> the phone line went dead and you know that's one of hundreds of stories uh throughout south florida right now that are affecting dozens and dozens and dozens of families uh thankfully i know no one who uh lived there who i have to worry about right now beyond general human concern uh ari did you uh know anyone who uh, is directly involved in this no, thankfully I didn't. I have friends though, uh, who, who, who know, uh, who, who do have people missing. A friend of mine has several family members missing. My neighbor across the street, and I live in Northeast Dade, said that she knows six people who are missing. Um, so it, it's the kind of thing that reverberates all over. There's just waves and waves and layers and layers of, of, of suffering and emotional trauma when something like this happens. So, um, you know, all we can do is offer some prayers and kind thoughts and, and maybe make a donation to help people out. And um, and uh, hopefully this never happens again, you know. Yeah. Um, Ari, I promise just to keep you a few minutes because you're so busy. I will say that uh, this is a story that I suspect you're going to be covering for months and months because beyond mm -hmm. the initial wave of grief and tragedy, there's going to be how did it happen? Why did it happen? Who's to blame? the litigation, all that stuff that follows something like this. But for now, uh, we owe it to the families involved <coughs> to just uh, to just pray for them and, uh, and, and hope for the best for all of them. So, Ari, thank you. Uh, thank you again for joining us. You said it well, Greg. It's my pleasure to join you guys. Thank you, Ari, for joining us. Really appreciate that. Uh, Ari and I uh, know each other well, and uh, half a dozen times a year we run across each other when sports and news intersect we almost always do it uh, with a smile, but this was more serious than that, for sure. For me, uh, one of the ways this has been just a stunning tragedy is the idea of infrastructure. Uh, one of the things we count on from governments is uh, laws, building laws, uh, inspection routines, and so forth. You know, we count on the overpass not to collapse. We count on uh, pedestrian walkways not to collapse and bridges not to collapse 
and hotels and condominiums not to collapse and our own houses to be structurally solid. So when something like this happens at 1.30 in the morning uh, and instantly turns lives upside down and snuffs lives, uh, it's just, it's beyond words. So anyway, that's what we're dealing with in South Florida, but we're going to, we're going to move on right now. There's no way to transition from uh, uh, all of this uh, serious talk to the fun that we usually try to have on this show. So let's take a commercial break. Wow. Did you just throw, you just threw to a commercial. I don't think we've ever done that before. Like, let's, let's do that. Enjoy this commercial. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. suffering from prolonged virginity? Want to attract the kittens like a fancy lad? Well, a little dab will do you, and two will do you double. Brill Cream. Guys, put your hands on your tube and squeeze. Brill Cream. Dabbing it. Brill Cream. A little dab will do you. Brill Cream. What's the matter to you? Fancy lad must always look so debonair. Brill Cream. A little dab will do you. Brill Cream. What's the matter to you? All the ladies love a lad with Thank you, Brill Cream. Appreciate you as uh, as our brand newest sponsor on the podcast, joining Nelly's Diner and our growing uh, armada of uh, of supporters. We appreciate that. Always looking for more support. Um, <laughs> and and right now, uh, Izzy Gutierrez obviously is a friend of the show. Fos, we've had him on a few times over the past year plus, and uh, he's back again. You know, for it's a fun conversation. Talk a little NBA playoffs, but. Carl Nassib uh, is an interesting story. So uh, let's God, see. you sound terrible. I know. It's, what can I tell you? Can we just get, let's just throw it to Izzy so you can go take a nap. That sounds great. I'll wake, all right. I'll wake you up in a half hour and then we'll do the close of this podcast. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Go rest yeah, up. I'll buddy. listen later. All right. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> hello. 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 Where are you? I am in uh, Chicago in an Airbnb that decided to let us know what the solar system looks like. It's art. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How educational your room. Yeah. That's, 
that's that's a I'm imagining that to be like the kids' room because usually these Airbnbs they have like one room that's like the kids' room and right. Well, this one is very bland. Hang on a second. I'm gonna walk you over because we this is pretty funny. <laughs> so there was this. Uh, we got here first, right? And so we're trying to figure out the room situation. Ah, pick gotta pick. That's a huge situation. Get there first. Get the good room. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're trying to figure out like where are these other rooms looks like a pantry, right? You would imagine it's a pantry. This is where the other damn beds were that we were looking for. There's a oh, no. damn little bedroom in here. We don't even have to have a light on in here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow, bunk beds. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, yeah, somebody's going to have to sleep uh, basically in the kitchen. So Wow. That reminds me of my uh, media room at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, which were Spartan to say the least. That's when uh, you guys used to send, uh, that is Harry Potter's room, Yeti. Uh, you guys used to send like a million people uh, to the Olympics. I remember in 08 when I went to the Olympics, I was just happy, like thankful I got out there because I didn't think you guys were going to send more than one person after 08. Yeah, the, I, I remember Pope and I were in the same room. I think Levitard, well, I know Levitard was on that trip. Oh, wow. Look at you guys just all covering Olympics, just who's who. Oh, I was at 08. I was at Barcelona with Pope and Levitard like you guys That's right. just yeah. Exactly. Um, by the way, uh, in in full transparency, I feel like shit right now. <laughs> so I apologize if I sound terrible or act like I'm all medicated up uh, because I am. For so, my uh, own purposes, like you're okay though, right? It's just a little cold. What do you, what is what's going on? Yes. And and even if it weren't, it's not transferable through Zoom, whatever I have. So we don't know that, though. We don't we don't technically know that. Right. Do we know that you can't get a cold through Zoom? <laughs> That's not really what I'm worried about, sir. I'm worried about you. <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's he's very uh, congested. He's, it's not dry. If if that's where you were thinking, like we're, we're thinking, he's just got a cold. Okay, he's a milker though. All right, how are you, Izzy, with being sick? I I, I kind of like my dad. When I'm sick, I'm, I, I over exaggerate everything. So I'm one of those people that just attacks it. Like I I feel like my uh, immune system is pretty strong. So I'm like I'm going to do everything possible to make sure that this illness like lasts at most 24 hours. And frankly, most of the time I'm pretty damn successful. So <laughs> like you just, I shut everything down. Like I don't exercise. I don't work my body out. I just make, you know, all energy into healing <laughs> and then just, you know, ton, whatever, depending on what it is, water, uh, whatever. Um, just, and I usually, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I fix my issues pretty fast. Jeez. I, I needed a, a, a tutorial there because 24 hours, mine is just ramping up. You know, mine, takes like three days to get there and yeah no you got you got to feel it coming on you got to feel it coming on you got to go crazy with the zinc you got to go crazy with like the vitamin c and stuff vitamin d huge in immunity these days like i take one i just got i went to the doctor she gives it to me like every time i go so i only get it for like a couple of months because it's it's a vitamin d it's one week's worth in one pill you don't have to take it every day and so, because it's got time release. And so I've got like that for a month and a couple of months of those. And I feel like I'm pretty good. I highly recommend vitamin D. What, what is, uh, I'm familiar with C, of course. What does vitamin D for you? I don't do for you. I don't even know. That's a great question. I know, uh, I'm not really sure exactly the details. I know it's like in the sun, right? Like sunlight provides some vitamin D. But uh, from what I understand, most humans are vitamin D deficient, even if you live in South Florida. So go go get yourself some vitamin D. Wow. Giggity, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Izzy, why why are you in Chicago? I'm playing in a flag football tournament. It's called the Pride Bowl, and it's the June 26th is my birthday, and so it usually ends up um, <laughs> it usually ends up uh, on my birthday weekend. And so, kind of up here playing in a flag football tournament as an excuse to just hang out, go to a couple of nice places, and you know, spend my birthday weekend in a different place. I'm going to this one restaurant you'll be excited about. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called I think it's called El Ideas, but uh, it's a Michelin uh, rated restaurant. And it's just really cool, like um, eating experience because the whole dining room like eats at the same time, and they have like different ways of eating food. Like, I think I might have mentioned this to you actually. Now that I think about it, am I in reruns on the Greg Cody show already? <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think I did. So. But anyway, next yeah. uh, when I experience it, I'll, I'll tell you all the details. <laughs> Is there a number one competitor for Michelin restaurants? Well, do you know, so this is interesting. Like, I want, I the, really I want to do the Cody. I want to do the Cody restaurant rankings is what I want to do. And like, oh, this is Cody approved to this restaurant. <laughs> like, that's my thing. Yeah, I don't think there is one. You know, like the Michelin, the whole idea of it, right? It's it's basically, a te- it's, it's, it's the car, it's the tires, right? It's Michelin tires, but they're basically saying it's worth the ride. It's worth the travel to get there. That's why it's a Michelin rated restaurant. I did not know that's why they call it that. Yeah. So it's like one, two or three. So like, if you like, if there's some restaurant in like just random place, like just in the middle of nowhere in some other country and it's Michelin rated, like you, you want to get there because they're telling you it's worth, <laughs> it's worth the ride. But I think I like the Cody thing. Um, the restaurant ratings thing. I, I legitimately respect Greg Cody's uh, culinary uh, opinions. Well, I've been eating my whole life. Is I, I, I'm very offended by that. As you like specifically said, Greg Cody, as you're like staring me right in the face, like, you could have just said, I respect the Cody's cult. And you're just like, I respect Greg Cody's cult. It's like, that was, that hurt. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about like secret meals away from your wife and Greg's talking about how to make a really good pea soup. Thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and trust that the, the better palate is with a dad. <laughs> Izzy, I'm doing a thing. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm performing for the pea. I do secret meals all the time. I was going to say, there's no way you're lying about secret meals. <laughs> And, and by the way, speaking of cooking, I did not expect to go here, but um, I'm doing for my uh, for Father's Day. Uh, my wife bought me one of these um, uh, virtual experiences with the uh, I don't know if he's a celebrity chef. I've seen him on Food Network. Uh, Aron Sanchez. Anybody hip with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be like in a virtual kitchen with him tonight, whipping up a meal, which is going to be tough tonight. Yeah, it's going to be tough because I'm not up to it physically, but. That's going to be you pretty probably cool. Tell so. him you're sick. I mean, this seems very reckless. Well, I don't think it's just he and I. I think it's uh, like I'm, I'm one of even worse. Are you the biggest celebrity of the uh, virtual class? Do you think I have not considered that for a, a, a moment? Uh, I don't know. I just hope I can get through it. Will you drink? Oh, you know it. <laughs> although, although, quite frankly, by the way, that's another thing you probably shouldn't do when you're not feeling great, just to expedite the you know the healing process. But you know, each his own. Yeah, my, my wife uh, has actually mentioned that to me. Not that she doesn't mention it every day. Wait, you really drink when you're sick? No, I normally, I not when I'm this sick. I, I did not drink a single beer uh, last night, which is... Not sure I believe you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a breathalyzer. Uh, but uh, no, we're good. Um, Dad, would you like to, would you like to uh, turn Izzy into our gay correspondent now? Is that what you'd like to do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We could, we could go there now or later. Um, <laughs> At least I'm filling a correspondent role. There could be a lot worse correspondence than the gay correspondent. 
That is true. I could be the gay correspondent and not be gay. That would be weird. Oh, that would be a little weird. <laughs> I'm really, I, I hope that is not. I'm just joking with my dad because he always, like, whenever there's, like, the news story of the day, he's always like, we got to talk to this person. And I just, is that, like, do you, obviously, I think you know how important that conversation is. So you obviously love to share that message. But do you, like, ever get annoyed? Yeah, no, look, I told people from, from the very beginning, like, um, I've leaned into it. Like, I've taken ownership of that. And I have no issues uh, being pigeonholed or whatever people want to say about it. Like, you know, right. if that's how they think, whatever. But um, I have no issues whatsoever. And I'd rather get my opinion out there than some, you know, other maybe not so well thought out one. So totally fine with it. Now, Izzy, uh, a few days ago, I'd never heard of Carl Nassib. He's not a star by any means in the league, but suddenly he's more than a star. He's a a trailblazer. And um, I wrote a column basically saying that this is the uh, most significant first in sports since Jackie Robinson in 1947. That may or may not prove to be hyperbolic. Uh, I'm wondering how you processed what Carl Nassib did. Hmm, that's an interesting one, by the way. The uh, the greatest since, and that's I'm going to think about that one for a little bit. But when I when I, the way I processed it was um, my first thought, like, and I've only talked about this two times on a couple other podcasts. Um, my own network has not asked my opinion on this. Um, so the uh, the one thing that I thought of was I was worried for him. Um, like, obviously, very happy about it. Very happy for him very happy for uh you know the lgbt community very happy for sports uh for male sports let me be specific here to to start their climb to catch up um but my main concern was for him and it's because um this is a lot like there's a lot that's going to come down um here on him and whether it's um so ideally for me ideally a handful of others would come out right now too like like, you know, because there are plenty, plenty of gay guys in the NFL. And, you know, if if an active player coming out is maybe just the impetus they needed, you know, that would be fantastic. That way it's not just on one guy. But for this one person, it's going to be um, a hell of an, of, uh, an existence uh, coming up because... For starters, um, he doesn't have himself figured out yet. Like coming out as gay is one thing. Like that's the simplest thing. But just to to be out and be yourself and navigate the world the way you need to once you are out, like that doesn't happen like that. Like there's a lot of things that come with it. So for him to to experience that personally, but also have to carry the weight of the sports world on him is going to be a hell of of, uh, of an experience for him. And you know, for the other players. Um, Let's just say Michael Sam, for example. I believe I have this right. Um, but, you know, with all of a lot of the, the gay men who, who, who came out, a lot of it was because they were going to be outed eventually. So they just decided to take ownership of it. And I know that's an un- unfortunate story for a lot of them. I hope that's not the story for Carl here. But um, hopefully he has taken the time to think this through. Hopefully he has sort of understood what's to come because like for, for Michael Sam, like he wasn't ready. Like he just not was ready for everything that came with it. Um, He hadn't been in the league yet. So he didn't have that stable support within the, the game that he's playing. Obviously he had his college teammates, but he was gone from that. Um, and so at least with Carl, there's, you know, there's uh, stability already. He's on a, I believe a three-year contract. I don't know how much guaranteed, but um, there's some stability there so he can concentrate um, on other things without sort of worrying too much about his football life. But then there's that part, like he's got to perform. He's got to stay on the field. He can't have a drop off. He, 
don't have like a, a season long injury because then you're just going to probably just drift away from people's minds and, and who's, you know, who knows what kind of effect or who knows what you know, negativity you're going to find yourself around, you know, if you don't have the game to protect you. So long story short, too late. Um, I worried about, I worried about him and I worry about his future and hopefully he has some company with him coming up soon. He, uh, I was going to mention Michael Sam because he was a last round draft pick in 2014. Um, never ended up playing a regular season game in the NFL. That was only seven years ago. And I wonder, Izzy, how, how much you think the climate, uh, has changed in seven years where it seems as if, um, what Carl Nassib has done is being embraced more than Michael Sam was just seven years ago. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I think a little bit of it is the fact that he's already in the league. Um, I think a little bit of it is, you know, Michael Sam was, uh, especially on draft day, but was very much in your face, right? He was making, he was kissing his boyfriend and just the world wasn't ready for that necessarily. Not, you know, not the sports world. Sorry. Um, and so I think there was some natural backlash there. And like I said, he wasn't ready. There was definitely a lot of personal things that uh, weren't ideal for him and he struggled uh, on the field. And so I think a lot of that uh, crashed down on him. And I don't think there was um, that support system there and ready. And I feel bad because, you know, he sort of lashed out at the LGBT community as if like, you know, we didn't really stand like support him or stand up for him. I'm not sure exactly what he would have wanted there. Um, but it was, it was just a bad example. It was just a bad, uh, example of somebody coming out when he wasn't ready, when, uh, when he didn't have a plan, it felt like. And, um, this is another thing. There's just sort of like this, you get this overwhelming feeling of happiness, right? You get this feeling of like, wow, I've just, my life is different. I've, I've got so much figured out and you just think that everything's great and you you can do no wrong and you can do plenty of wrong. Like there's a lot more, um, that can go wrong. And, you know, whether or not, um, he was sort of attention starved. I think there was that sort of, uh, narrative going around or whether that's just something that, um, you know, because being gay or, or like sort of moving or pushing along the, the gay movement, if you will, right. The acceptance of gay people is way more important than gay football. Right. So if he was trying to get attention, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but in the eyes of NFL, in the eyes of competitors, in the eyes of the teammates, there probably was a negative thing that he was brought, trying to bring on this or more attention to himself. So I think that didn't help him. Um, yeah, I think overall it was more of, um, yeah, we're ready, but I think just in general, the world has been more open, um, and eyes have been more open to just being kind to people in general. Um, you know, whether or not like you, you see religions and some churches really pushing the idea of, Hey, we're, we're open to everybody. Like we, we're not, you know, anti-gay, like we welcome everybody, that type of stuff. We're not, you know, we're not talking about like changing the extremes that, you know, are already there in place that help people be uh, homophobic, you know, whether it be religious or, or old uh, way, ways of thinking. But I think we're just in a place where it's almost like to each his own, be kind to them, let them do theirs. I don't think that's ideal either. I think it's better if there's an understanding between the people. But I think there's a little bit more of, okay, like, we're good. You're a human being. You do you. And I'll be okay. I think that's a little bit of a different feeling than there was like seven, eight years ago. I heard you say, I don't know where, one of your other shows, like about how there's so many different areas where this will affect Carl now, like where his partner, whoever he's with now can come into the family area or something like I'm just wondering, like, what are some other like subtle ways that this will like make his life easier or better? 
Um, man, that's a good one. Like I, I would say, and this isn't even something in terms of, uh, you know, being able to be out or whatever. It's just something that comes internally. Like you, you're not going to feel that unnecessary need to prove yourself all the time. Like there's going to be a little bit more of, um, just a confidence that, yeah, I'm good. I know I'm good enough. I don't have to prove it to you. You know, um, there'll probably be a little bit more just a comfort level in him that way. I do think like, um, like you mentioned, uh, going after a game and, you know, seeing your partner or whoever you're with in the family room, you know, with the rest of the, uh, in the you know, the rest of the wives or family members, um, is just, it, that just feels great. Like just the idea. Yeah. That's crazy. You don't even think about that. Right. Like imagine like somebody that's like super proud, like your, your own, like other half, like that's just, it's a really cool feeling to, to be there. Um, <sighs> There's a lot like, um, I don't know if it's going to be better necessarily or because like depending on how comfortable he got in his routines, depending on what, you know, what he did, like if he was not cool, if he was dating somebody, let's say, and not cool holding hands in public, like that's something that's not really going to change right away. Like you're still going to have to work through that type of stuff. But um, yeah, they're, they're just, I probably have to think about that a little bit more, but there's a, just a lot of little things that become less worrisome. Um, and I don't know if he lived inside of his head as much as I did, uh, but there's definitely a lot that you can just sort of let go of once once that's out there. If something like uh, Carl Nassib's coming out publicly um, had happened when you were in your own situation, what would that have meant to you then? That's a great question, because um, I think about the one person who, um, when I was like a late teenager, like mid 90s, that came out and after his playing days, and that was Billy Bean. And at the time, like, it was heroic to me. Like, I thought, because again, at the, and I've talked to you about this before, at the time, like, I was in a place where like, I knew what I was, but I was really, really hopeful that I wasn't, right? So I was, you know, young enough to say, hey, maybe I can like work my way through this or something. But it was always like, hey, he's there. If I ever needed somebody to like say that there was somebody who had been, you know, in, in a masculine profession and, and, and made it and was, you know, and was gay and it was it was him. Um, but it didn't give me any sort of inkling to try to come out, like not even in the slightest. Um, and so if it was somebody like Carl Nass, because I don't know if it was because he wasn't playing anymore. I don't know if it was because I didn't really know him when he did play or that he wasn't you know, a great player, but it just didn't make me on my side, like think, you know, power through everything and just break through that wall. Had it been an NFL player, I think probably um, it, because it would have been way more of a conversation. Um, it would have been definitely in your face. If I was in high school, for example, nobody was talking about Billy Dean when I was in high school, but if I was in high school right now, maybe we're talking about Carl Nassib, right? So um, I think it would have forced me to, to not be okay with hiding a little bit because like if we're talking about it and like I'm like it, it's one of those subjects that I probably avoid like I can't remember ever talking about like homosexuality growing up because I probably just got away from all those conversations um, because uh, I wouldn't feel the I'd feel the pressure to defend myself even though I'm not out and so I think in this case like that probably would have gotten me to at least thinking about this process a little bit further now we're, we're just in a different time in general so so I think if I was growing up in this time, it'd be a lot more comfortable, uh, possibly coming out. But, um, but yeah, I think I think it might have, and I, and I definitely think it's going to like for athletes specifically, for young football players. I think this is definitely uh, something that will 
sort of push some some young some boys to come out. I, I I definitely believe that because especially like once you get through the season and once we see Carl like just go about his life and go about his career just like normal um, and still be successful, I think you're going to have people just saying, "Wow, there's actually a path. There's actually a blueprint. Somebody did it." And then, you know, next thing you know, you'll have, you know, players, highly recruited high school players who are already out or college players who've been out during their career and are super successful and get drafted in the NFL. Um, I, I think there's going to be a bit of, as I talk about it and just sort of like think about how fast things have moved over the last decade, I definitely think this is something that you'll see a lot more of um, or a handful more of if, you know, as long as things go smoothly for Carl and there's no sort of uh, slip ups along the way. Love a blueprint. <laughs> best thing to follow it's also a good album it's similar to a map isn't it like a blueprint and a map both get the same amount of credit mm, a blueprint's more like how to build something i think that's the way i look you at know it what's more. funny is i think about like greg you see i don't know if you've seen this but you see all these like jokes about hey if you haven't printed out directions you haven't lived or you're you, you know you're a millennial or something like right. that how many different stages of directions have we gone through well i'd say we but uh, you got through it in oh your God. life. Like, like oh. printing out directions must have seemed like an absolute luxury to you. Like, oh, man, I don't have to open up this map. I do remember uh, the wife and I being on car road trips, and there's no GPS. There's no iPhones. We're lost. I'm literally stopping and buying a road map at a, at a gas station uh, or, or asking the person, hey, do you know how to get to 458, Highway 458? And he's like, no, I really don't. <laughs> I love it when they would like think about it for a second and you knew they didn't really know, but then they'd start giving you directions. I'm like, no, man, I'm not trusting this guy. I have no, I have no clue what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah. You've never asked somebody for directions. I have an uncle and it's so funny. He will not use GPS. Not only that, right? But if he's driving and we're in the car and we tell him on the GPS, like where to go, he will first confirm it with a map before ah. he decides to go ah. like, oh, Yep, you're right. There it is. I'm taking this route here. I was like, wow. And he's not even that old. <laughs> That's great. That's hilarious. That's my kind of man. There's something about uh, that attitude that I really enjoy. Um, yeah. Izzy, I want to I talk a little bit basketball before we let you go, but I, I, I want to hit one more question on Carl Nassib because I think it's so important. And when I first heard it, uh, my immediate reaction, my gut reaction was, wow, finally, because I knew somebody had to be first eventually, not just in a major men's sport, but of all things in the NFL. And I'm wondering, was wow finally part of your reaction as well? Or perhaps were you surprised that it happened as soon as it did, knowing everything you know? Um, I was, I was a I wasn't shocked because, you know, for the last, I would say, 15 years, there have been like rumors of like um, one or multiple. I know there was one time there was like this uh, supposed multiple players about to come out at the same time rumor and that just kind of fell apart. So I wasn't shocked by it. Um, I think what's interesting about the NFL to me is like, it's such a masculine sport. Like you cannot be questioned if you, if you succeed in that sport, when you've gotten to the NFL outside of the kickers, no offense guys, um, outside, yeah. like you, you can't be questioned. Like you're, you're good. Like you have, you have, you know, checked all the boxes of manhood, if you will. Right. And so if you act that a little bit, uh, effeminate, right. If you, you know, uh, do it, like, what are they going to say? Like, what is anybody going to say? Like, if you knock the shit out of somebody <laughs> and then like do a little dance that like people are just like, well, wait a second, but who cares? Like, right. <laughs> and so, exactly. um, yeah, so the NFL, 
to me, I thought I always thought baseball would be like the last sport to like fully embrace the idea uh, because those guys just spend so much time together in that clubhouse. And there's just a lot of like, I guess, different levels of education, whether it be, you know, high school, whether it be overseas and uh, then you get the college guys and stuff like that. But I think the NFL, um, in terms of just being more uh, an example of just, you know, progressive city type of population, like I think that that to me made a little bit more sense. Like people think that all these, you know, hyper masculine guys will be anti-gay. It's just like, A, I don't think they give a shit what you're doing, if uh, um, you know, if you're helping them win. And B, um, I just think that's I'm not saying that that is not in locker rooms. I just think it's a stereotype that exists and it is just that it's a stereotype for a lot of guys. Like they're not these muscle headed jocks who just don't um, evolve and don't, uh, you know, think things through and don't have like other things that they, that they work, that they do and, and, and read and, and work on. And so I, I think um, there's probably a lot of players insulted, frankly, that uh, they are thought of that way and are probably very happy to see, you know, this evolution happen. And hopefully they can like push it forward here because I think the one thing that's going to help um, is a clear show of support within a locker room, within an organization. Like if Carl has any sort of backlash whatsoever and a teammate stands up for him, multiple teammates stand up for yeah. him and we make a clear, like doing, like there's a line in the sand. Hey, you're either uh, with us as a group or you are one of these outsiders who is, you know, being exclusion, you're excluding sure. people and you're being a jackass. And so um, I think that's definitely going to help uh, with not only with Carl, but I think if anybody else sees that or hears about that, they'll be confident that they can come out too. So I think the NFL gets a little bit of a bad rap for that, but it did, I think it did require the NFL or a player in the NFL to come out for it to be, you know, this big of a deal. And by the way, Carl, um, in in speaking his own truth uh, this week or last week, Carl uh, donated a hundred thousand dollars to the Trevor Project, which is um, a great group that works in suicide prevention in the LBGTQ uh, community among youth in particular. And and the NFL immediately matched that donation. Uh, there's been a lot of support in tweets from players throughout the league, but the ult, as you've mentioned, as we've spoken about, the ultimate support is going to be the second person standing up and saying, me too. And, and then somebody else and somebody else. Uh, I would love to envision that happening soon, like by training camp before the season. Do you think that will happen? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it just depends on where the, these guys are individually in their, in their sort of progress and their evolution. Um, <sighs> Every per, everybody that I talk to about the subject who has any sort of knowledge on the subject says that they just know that there are plenty of guys who live openly, right? They're not hiding. They're just not an out. And so right. um, I think depending, like, it, it just depends on what the motivation is. Like, if it could, there could be guys who are waiting for Carl to experience something negative and then be like, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Let me let me help you out with this. Uh, or right. um, it could be guys that are just sort of you know nervous and, and waiting and seeing how that how he goes about this. And and I think this is what like the nervous part was for a lot of people. It's just like who's has to be this gay Superman? Like there's no you know is there a singular woman a lesbian uh, athlete that you think of when you say hey that was I mean maybe like 30 40 years ago you're talking about like maybe Martina Navratilova or something like that. But um, these days like you, you don't need that one woman like there's there's so many um you know Lasia clarendon is another woman who is just or another person who's just like breaking barriers and just living uh life openly and there's an espn cover story on her i believe um 
Eastpin the magazine. I don't know what we're calling that these days. The magazine's defunct, but uh, <laughs> there's a great story on her being written. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, I, I think, uh, again, it just depends on those individuals. But in terms of like the climate, in terms of, you know, the sport, I think uh, beyond prepared for for this to not be a one man show. Transition. Do you think Ben Simmons fits with the heat? <laughs> Stark transition, by the way. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if I'm... It's, actually, it's not a bad transition, right? Inclusion, like we accept everybody. Right. Even a ben Simmons. We, we're cool with transitions. Um, <laughs> well, the Heat think they can rehab everybody uh, from, from any problems they may have. So I don't know if my dad... I think that might hurt my dad. Let me tell you this. Um, so the moment I knew that Jimmy Butler was not re-signing with the Sixers, I was doing a game, and I was in the back um, waiting for the coach to come out after halftime, and the players were all coming out, and Jimmy was talking to somebody, um, I think it was an assistant coach, and he had a stat sheet in his hand, and he starts walking out of the out of the locker room, and he's just, then he just stops, and he's just, like, reading it. And then he just, like, his eyes just went like this. Like, he just kind of, like, his eyebrows shot up, and he was like, let's go 76ers. And he threw the paper in the air, like caught it, like <laughs> clapped it and caught it between both hands and like crumpled it and like threw it away. And I was just like, that dude's like not yeah. happy, but he does not want to be here. <laughs> and so afterward, and then that's not where I realized it was Ben Simmons with the problem. But after like, he let, you saw Embiid was his boy. That's like true. that was not a problem. Uh, if you think about the one sort of difficult thing to fit in there, it's not Embiid. It was Ben Simmons. Like that was the bane of, uh, uh, Brett Brown's existence was trying to find a way for those guys to work. And he did a great job of making Ben work, but he took a little bit away from Embiid. But once that all played out and I saw like how unhappy Jimmy was there, I was like, oh yeah, this is a Ben Simmons thing. And Greg Cody podcast. I don't know if this is breaking news. This is definitely the first time I've said this out loud on something that's going to be published. Um, people don't like Ben Simmons in the league. His teammates don't like Ben. Like there's, there's just something about him there. Like he is an unlikable dude. And in that locker room, he's unlikable. And like, if you think about it, Greg, like what coach have you covered that said that you asked them, Hey, is this, can you win a championship with this guy? And they say, I don't know. Or I don't know how to answer that. I mean, Eric Spolster will tell you that about Norris Cole. Right. <laughs> Why can't right. you say that about Ben Simmons? Yeah. Mario Chalmers. So there's definitely something there. Yeah. There's definitely right. something there. So I don't think he's a fit in a lot of ways. Yeah. Not, like, wow. Like I, I was kind of convincing my, cause I feel like they need a guard that can handle the ball. That's really all I was doing there. It's just too much non-shooting, too, if you put him and, and Jimmy on the flight. That was the problem in Philly. And he likes a party, I've heard. Yeah, so. well. I mean, if you're attached to, if you're attached to, a, if you're attached to a Jenner, Kendall? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably bad news. That's what we did on, we, on our show. We were doing, uh, like, Do You Feel Bad for Dan did the Do You Feel Bad for Ben Simmons show on whatever the day was after that bad game. And I was like, I have a rule that I don't feel bad for anyone that dated Kendall Jenner. Yeah. <laughs> You're at both. It's just a life rule that I have. <laughs> it's the opposite of, I didn't ask for any of this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, is a, uh, a, a quick dive into the NBA final four, which is a weird one. Okay. Uh, Phoenix and, uh, and the Clippers have never won an NBA title. Milwaukee hadn't won since 1971. Atlanta last won when they weren't even in Atlanta. They were in St. Louis in the 1950s. Uh, this is sort of the antidote for everybody who's been complaining. Ah, the NBA is so predictable. Only five teams can win the title. But if you're the NBA, if you're television networks looking for ratings, you have to want Milwaukee Clippers and you have to be afraid of Atlanta Phoenix, I'm guessing. Uh, what's your view of the of the Final Four? My view is that the NBA can't wait for the season to be over because um, right. while while this is 
um, you know, parody, if you will. It's also um, not going to continue. Like, it's not like the league is going to stay like this and it's be unpredictable forever. Like this year has been an interest. It's been the asterisk year. It's been worse than the bubble because of all the injuries. Um, and so this champion is not going to be, you know, the most uh, representative champion of all the, the years. And so um, if, you're, if I'm going to pick, I, I definitely want Giannis. I, I don't think the city's mad. I think you want stars. Um, I think Giannis, the Chris Paul and Devin Booker is way more interesting than Giannis versus potentially Kawhi and Paul George. Because, I mean, A, we don't even know what Kawhi is going to look like. And if he is there, we know he's going to be boring as hell. Uh, and even like when they compare the moves, they're going to try to make you think that he's doing things that Michael Jordan did, but somehow Michael Jordan made him look better. <laughs> so I just like the idea of a Devin Booker, like a scoring phenom, a scoring savant with this, you know, great story of Chris Paul across the way from Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't think the cities, yeah, matter so much for the league. I think they just care about those ratings. And I think you can get the ratings with the stars more than you can the uniforms. Right. Izzy, uh, we're going to let you go. I didn't mean to keep you this long at all. Uh, I want to wish you a uh, happy birthday. I want to wish you uh, good luck with the flag football tournament. Bring home the uh, bring home the trophy, kick ass, and all that stuff. Well, so interesting little note there. Um, <laughs> this this is the team that I'm playing on that is not really trying to win the tournament. I guess you could say we're definitely oh, like we're we're in the B division, not the A division. When I when okay. I like, sort of like ran the teams, we're always in the A division. But we're in the B division, oh, and and. I'm not going to lie. I'm just really happy I'm going to play a lot. Like, that's all I really care about right now. I haven't run around in so much. I just want to do it, and I don't want to get hurt. So you can wish me luck, but honestly, all I want is no injury. That's all that matters. Cause I- you guys got the quarterback wrist guard? I was at your house a few months ago, and I saw the plays on the wrist guard. Like It's my favorite part is when drawing up the plays. <laughs> oh, look at you. Look oh, at wow. that. See, it's real. It's real deal out there. Real deal. That's serious. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. uh, Thanks again. Really appreciate it. See you, Chris. See you at dinner on Tuesday. We'll talk. Yes. Yes, dinner. All right. Thanks. All right. Let's wrap this. Uh, I want to thank our good friend Izzy Gutierrez again. Uh, I want to thank Ari Odzer from NBC6 down here in South Florida. Uh, Prayers up to Surfside uh, and all the victims in that uh, condo collapse tragedy. uh, sorry about my voice. Hopefully better by next week. And uh, thank you all, Pod Family, as always. Listen, subscribe. Not sub- Don't subscribe because that implies it costs you money to do this. Follow because that's totally free. Doesn't cost a dime. Uh, listen, follow, enjoy. Uh, whatever you do to a podcast, do it again. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. If there's anything you can do to support uh, the victims and their families of the tragedy uh, at the Champlain Towers South, please consider contributing to supportsurfside.org. Thank you.